0: Okay, so the 5% uh, challenge is um, something I came up with last year. There were a few things that led up to it, but basically it's a a reading goal that I set for myself, and I started this back in, I believe, probably mid-April. So this year I decided that every day I would read 5% of a novel, and I set it at 5% because I read on a Kindle, and you can measure by percentage finished, but also, the idea is that, well, if I read 5% per day, then in 20 days, I will have finished a book. Jay's gonna bring me back, give me a plus one to attack, oh, oh, oh,
1: I want to come back to the dice, Whoa oh, oh. oh
0: i think I, need some good I need a roleplay oh yeah i need a roleplay rescue oh yeah oh yeah
1: hello rescuers my name's che webster and this is roleplay rescue the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing games hobby This is the third in a series of four conversations I've enjoyed with various friends and new acquaintances within the Roleplay Rescue community over the tail end of 2023 and into January 2024. My guest today is Bob from the Safeco podcast. Bob Loftin is co-host of Safeco Cast, a podcast about the Traveller roleplaying game and its derivatives, Safeco. S-A-F-C-O. Safeco stands for Super Adventure Friends Company. The tongue-in-cheek name, the members of the group decided to give the company their characters formed for their classic traveller campaign, Into the Void. Bob keeps a log of the games on his blog, Concrete Lunch Gaming, and the chap's adventures have kept me entertained since I first came across them in 2019. I last spoke to Bob at length for Season 11, Episode 9... But he's now a patron of the show. And so this time, Bob, well, agreed to come on and share an interesting challenge he has to propose. So thanks to Bob for coming on the show. I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. This is Season 13, Episode 11, 5% Challenge with Bob from Safeco. So my guest today is Bob from Safeco, uh, back it's been a year and a bit, you know, but it's good to have you back on, Bob. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me back on. It's been it's been fun being on your Discord.
1: Yeah, and, and thanks for joining that. And, you know, becoming a patron and then finding your way in there and
0: then causing trouble. It's awesome. Well, I try to devote about twenty dollars a month to Patreon, mm-hmm. and sometimes I shift that around between people. There's a few people that I've I've backed for a long time, like. I've I've been a Christopher Rice supporter for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a few that I've I've um, backed off on and diverted the money to other people. I think it's I think Patreon's really a good thing. Like I like the idea that people pay you for something that you produce that they enjoy, and you don't have to cram your you know media full of advertising. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. I, I just, yeah.
1: I mean, I started doing it because people seemed to want to support you and it didn't hurt. Um, and then it funds, I mean, for me, it funds a school club. And right now it's funding me up. Um, so that's kind of handy. It's kinda neat.
0: Yeah, Yeah, very cool.
1: Anyway, I wanted to chat to you about something that's been turned up in our Discord, actually, um, which I'm just going to call the 5% challenge
0: and then let you unpick.
1: So yeah, okay. tell us tell us about this 5% thing.
0: Go. On, go. Okay. So the 5% uh, challenge is um something I came up with last year. There were a few things that led up to it, but basically it's it's a it's a reading goal that mm-hmm. I set for myself and I started this back in I believe probably mid-April. And um because I always set a reading goal every year and I I never make the goal. Mm-hmm. Um and I have this weird uh, predisposition to thinking that if I can't sit down and read for at least an hour or two, there's no point, you know? And I think that comes from a couple of things. One is I'm, I'm a slow reader. Mm-hmm. And also the idea that if I um, if I start reading and I have to stop in the middle of the chapter, I'm not going to remember what's going on and it it's... Then I've got to go back and figure out what, what I was reading. And it prevents me from reading, or it has. So this year, I decided that every day, I would read 5% of a novel. And I set it at 5% because I read on a Kindle, like you can measure by percentage finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, the idea is that, well, if I read 5% per day, then in 20 days, I will have finished a book. So that had bought me up to about 18 books a year. And of course, that varies in the time requirement, depending on the length of the book. But generally, it's not really that hard to make. So um, that's the 5% challenge for me, that it has been a huge success. Mm -hmm. And the the things leading up to that, um, it had been sort of hard to get the gaming group together. And last October we got a puppy. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's had a puppy, I had not had a puppy before. Um, If you've never had a puppy before, you don't understand how it completely destroys your life for about a year. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, It's like having a baby that can immediately go everywhere and pee all over the house. Um, So, and it was very stressful. So, um I was coming home from work and helping my wife with the pup and he's great now. He's 15 months old and he he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it was a really stressful year so I wasn't I wasn't able to do things for myself. Um the the things that give me kind of personal enjoyment very much. And I was getting very frustrated. So I thinking, well what could I do? Well I could read, you know. Um I don't have to go out away from the house to do that. I don't have to get people together to do that. Mm. All I have to do is actually do it. <laughs> and that's that's where the 5% came in. And it's just been a huge success for me because, and I'm reading science fiction novels, because every day, no matter how little I've done for kind of my personal hobbies and enjoyment every day, if I read that 5%, I go to bed feeling like I actually did something enjoyable that i participated in one of my my pastimes um and the mental health benefit that of that has been tremendous um i don't mean to exaggerate it too much but it's, it's kind of changed my life actually <laughs> um because you know i i talk to, to people all the time who you know they're not able to find time for any of their interests you know, whether it's family or work commitments or whatever So, um, anyway, that's, that's what it is. (laughs) It's good. And, and, and about
1: two weeks ago, I think, um, you kind of shared this and I just, I don't know why I immediately like grabbed onto that and I, yeah, I grabbed, um, I think it was a, uh, the first volume of hammer slammers, um, which is giant as it turns out. So that 5% of that is about (laughs) like, I don't know, 25 pages or something, but, um yeah I started to do it and uh one of the things that I remember we we mentioned and talked about in discord a little bit was that the the difference between reading a novel like fiction to reading like non-fiction I read a lot of non-fiction um and I will tend to find a few minutes in every day to read something like that but what I realized is that as soon as I started to read fiction again it's like that's a completely different skill set actually it is and yeah and it kind of like that's harder in some ways <laughs> weirdly um yeah i agree so yeah that's been quite been quite transformative and and me being me i mean i've like i've i, I got part way through that and then christmas hit and my wife bought me a novel um and uh, so i'm reading uh um but sort of essentially kind of like mi5 novel um right uh and you know it's kind of fun uh slow horses and um yeah, five percent of that is sixteen pages, right? So it's about um, half hour to an hour's reading, depending on how tired I am. Because like you, I'm a slow reader. But yeah, it's been it's been really cool. And what's nice is like it it started as a sort of I better make sure I do this before I get to bed. And what it's actually become is kind of like something I'm seeking to do. Like I want it early in my day
0: because I really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah. Um... I, a lot of times I don't get started until 9 p.m., Mm -hmm. but frequently I start around 7.30 or 8. And, you know, if I get my 5% read by 8.30, I just keep, usually just keep reading. Um, A big challenge for me has been learning to read without being isolated in another room. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up an only child. I just go back to my room, shut the door. And I had complete solitude, complete silence. And uh, I don't want to do that now. I I get home from work. I want to be with my wife and our cat and our dog. And she's out there usually with watching something on television or Mm -hmm. working on the computer. So um, I've had to learn to read almost again, just like, dealing with with distraction and um not kind of training myself not to get frustrated if i've read if i read a paragraph and realize i don't have any idea what i just read because i was being distracted <laughs> yeah. and and just okay i go back and read it again it's, it's not a big deal don't get pissed and um so that's kind of that's another thing that's allowed me to have some success with this project but it it wasn't easy. I would say the first few months I often got very frustrated, but I eventually just kind of able to let that go mm. and um, have some success with it. And so I, I chose science fiction because I'm the traveler guy. And um I I had been wanting to become better read in science fiction. I felt like I had read a lot of the A lot of classics, but a lot of them I haven't, you know. Um, I read a long time ago, Dune, Foundation, a lot of Heinlein, excuse me, stuff like that. Um, But compared to other, like, real science fiction fans, I hadn't read that much. So, Um, yeah, this year I've read, as of tonight probably, I will have read 27 science fiction novels this and they're typically they're pretty sh- i'm i'm keeping them generally short novels with one exception um the uh hyperion novels are fairly long mm-hmm. um but this is a completely different topic almost but i'm i'm so sick of gigantic novels and when you go back to like novels of the 60s 70s and even, and even 80s i think Probably due to publishing industry trends that have happened since then. Like back then, it seems like there were a lot more standalone novels. You know, you didn't, it's like, here's the, this is the first book of a 12 book series and it's <laughs> 600 pages long, you know, like, <laughs> because we really, this, the author and the publisher really want to get this turned into a movie mm. or a TV show. So everything's gigantic like that. So, um, I've read some Robert Silverberg, who was great with uh, writing standalone science fiction novels. Uh, yeah, 200 pages, 250 maybe, some maybe even shorter than that. Um, so that's been nice because you, you concise, well-told story and you're done with it. Mm. And you can move on to to something new. My my guilty pleasure is The Doomerists of Terra Saka. <laughs> which um, I would, they're kind of pulp science fiction adventure. Mm. But what I will say about them is um, I think they're really well written for what they are. You know, each of those novels is made so that if you just pick up any of them, you could start reading and you're not going to be lost. So he explains a lot of things over and over again, which is typical in that kind of uh, series but they're quite well written and I I'm comparing them to uh the old Doc Savage novels which Doc Savage novels are actually the thing that got me into reading science fiction in the first place I found the first one at my grandfather's house it had been my uncle's and I read it and over the course of like my teen years I probably read about 70 of them mm-hmm. I've gone back and read one and uh they're still really fun but they're poorly written Mm -hmm. um and the the author his real name was lester dent the um the pseudonym he used was kenneth robeson but he even admitted he used to say i think i just write reams and reams of crap that's that's what he thought of his own material but they were really they were entertaining great novels and uh with uh some science fiction in them and some adventure they were cool um so i would say doom of terra is kind of it's almost in that same vein but the author's much better with english language Mm. and i'm right in saying doom is pretty much where traveler comes from so yeah i think that the Name of the game Traveler comes from the Doomerist of Terra novels because they talk about Travelers. Yeah, um, Doomerist is a Traveler. And there's quite a few other ideas in Traveler that come from those novels. But I posted on your Discord a uh, book. Um, I think I've got it on my bookshelf over here. Uh, maybe I don't. It's, uh, I think it's called The Science Fiction of Traveler. So it's a bibliography of, um, books that Mark has said influenced the game. And so I read, I, that's where I get the Doomers novels. Um, I've read some, uh oh, having a brain cramp now. Who's the author? Um, (laughs) uh, the author of Little Fuzzy, um can't believe I don't remember his name right now. Anyway, I, I've been going through that somewhat and hammer slammers in there mm. as well. Yeah. Um, the other, I've got a book that I'm, I'm working on um, called infinite stars. It's the second edition uh, volume of infinite stars, but it's an anthology of, of uh, space opera and military science fiction, mm-hmm. short stories. So those are kind of nice. If you like, just want to get a quick story, pick those up and read. I read the first one. And the first one is where I actually discovered Silverberg, right? The Silverberg story that's in that compilation is just fantastic. Like the, the, uh, the impact there's like this, uh, like ethical dilemma that the protagonist faces and, uh, I was kind of blown away by the power of it. Yeah. So you go back and read some of these old novels and to modern sensibilities, like there's there's things that don't really work. You but if you can put that aside, like they're they're quite enjoyable, you know, like the Dumas novels, there's rarely uh a female character that survives you know, no of any consequence. And that, and Silverberg uh, is really quite renowned for being terrible at writing female characters. But the novels are still great. So. Um, but I, the reason I posted this stuff on your Discord was your tiny prep articles. Right. And, and the, the tiny habits book that you were talking about. And I felt like this project is very much in that vein because what I've done is develop a reading habit. That was my goal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I could see that connection. And I guess that kind of you know, there's a question that's been buzzing around my mind. We've been talking about 20 minutes and it's like the whole thing of this is a role playing podcast. So why are we talking about reading novels? Um, And I think that, that we can see the connections perhaps already, but let's be explicit about it. I mean, you know, yeah. why do you think it is actually a really good thing? For players and GMs of role-playing games to be reading novels,
0: the first thing for me was just inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you can steal so much from a, a good fantasy or science fiction novel or espionage novel that you can use in your game. Um, so that's one thing. And um, I, I'm not one of these people who's really like when i'm running my game i do not tell people that i'm quote unquote telling a story i'm i feel like i'm running a game i'm designing scenarios and situations and problems for the players through their characters to solve and then when i write all that stuff up afterward it it's a story but i don't think of it as i'm telling a story and i don't i don't consider what we do really collaborative storytelling i don't think of it that way but that being said um reading reading novels does give you um it immerses you like more in the world of of how to construct a narrative and and think of possibilities you know Mm -hmm. Um, aside from just stealing ideas yeah um but i think you know with the traveler game that I run like I just I just really wanted to be immersed in science fiction like throughout my life mm. which is why like you may notice I've redecorated my studio. Oh It yeah. used to have it used to have skateboarding stuff all over it. Well, now I've got science fiction posters behind me um and over there and and all of that. So um I th- and I think that's kind of common like with with uh, people into the fantasy genre. You know, you get D&D players that have D&D stuff all over their house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I just don't think, I tell, I tell, so I'm a librarian by, by profession. And we started, um, a few years ago, we had a, a and d event at the library that I organized. And, Read, reading is just part of role-playing. You know, I, you, parents, I think, were sort of like, initially, like, why are you guys doing this at the library? My kid really likes it. What's it about? It's like, look, especially these young boys, we hear so often that uh, I can't get my son to read. He doesn't want to read anything. Mm-hmm. He's tried Harry Potter. He's tried all of this stuff. He just doesn't like it. But if he likes D and D, or if he likes whatever game, you you can't play these games without reading. Even you know, um, you, you you have to, you've, you've got to be able to read and understand the rules. And then I tell them about all of the the literature that ties into this that they may become interested in as well. So it's a great um, gateway drug to reading as <laughs> yeah. role-playing games um i also think as well like um
1: it you know if you're learning to describe if you're a gm and you're learning to run a game you've got to learn to describe things and i think like just it being immersed in how other authors describe for example that skill um yeah. you you yeah. sort of you get immersed in it i was noticing like reading um mick heron's like slow horses which is extremely evocative um, you've got these basically kind of like failed spies who have this dreadful office that they were working together and it's just the description of the characters and the description of the place is so bleak um but actually it's so evocative and simple and it kind of I you know I I sort of same with the hammer slammers actually there's quite a lot of it isn't high literature but there's a lot of great mood that's commit you know, communicated through relatively short descriptive pieces you know that um i found myself just noticing that i suppose and then of course as i come back to the table i feel like you know having immersed yourself in someone's style you you tend to be able to emulate that to some degree um and i I don't think that hurts either like it it, so you're you're building your literacy you're you're building your uh, knowledge and understanding of like the genre but you're also like picking up old phrases or ways of looking at things that you know you might not have considered and i think all of that is a is a wondrous package for anyone
0: yeah i I agree and um being highly descriptive as a game master is something i always have to remind myself to do Mm -hmm. and there have been sessions that i've run that after when i'm kind of reflecting on it i'm like you know I really could have given them a better description of this or that just something to set the mood. Like, Mm. you know, you're on the edge of the nebula and you look out and you see, you know, I tell them what they see, just something to get them in the right frame of mind. Mm. Um, Yeah, I agree. Um, And uh, of course, different authors do that differently. One of the authors I read this year a lot is Alan Dean Foster. So, He's never never won a Hugo. He's written a gajillion books. He's the author of the original Star Wars novelization and, and a bunch of those. Um and I've got the GURPS supplement for Humanks, his setting. Yeah. So this year I read all of the standalone humans commonwealth novels and i read the trilogy which is like the founding of the commonwealth mm-hmm. and i really enjoyed them tremendously um every one of them is just great fodder for traveler every one like you know there's weird creatures there's threats you could just go through each book and make a list of stuff to convert to traveler um and people say oh you know he's he's kind of a workman yeah he is a workman that's how he makes his living Mm. and um but the books read really well um so as i tell people when i've been evangelizing about alan dean foster (laughs) he's probably never going to blow your mind with some completely insane concept but damn he tells a good story and uh and they're they're really quite good um Yeah. So the thing, one thing about the things that maybe cross over to reading and gaming, and especially game mastering, is um, this habit. You know, I've had to find my place to read. I was talking to one of my colleagues about this because we want to do a whole series of of different kinds of media at work to help our patrons who struggle with the same thing. And so you gotta you first of all you gotta find the time, decide when when you can read. And the other things that are important, like you have choices for different media. Like you could read on your iPad, you could read on your Kindle, you could read an actual physical book. Um you may want to listen. I consider listening like a very different activity, but people love it. And I, I do I listen to audiobooks too. I don't count them on my reading goal because it's a separate it's, I considered it separate thing, but so you, you need your time, your preferred media, you need an environment that you can read in. And that's very much like prepping or, uh, game mastering. And, and, And I suspect if you really think about it, it's, it's, it's similar to almost anything you do, you know? Um, and uh i like to sit in, in there with my Kindle because in the evening we like to turn the lights down well i if i have the lights turned down i can't have a light blazing so i can read my book but my Kindle, no problem i can read with the lights down and i told you about finding my time and mm-hmm. like developing the ability to ignore distraction to some extent um, so yeah, I think like this year using the 5% challenge as a model, there's a few other things in life that I want to try to apply these these little changes to one of them, one of them's gaming and gaming's more involved because like yeah. I, you, you got to get to get together somehow. Um, you know that you're working on it yeah <laughs> um so yeah that that's a big thing i and and setting a time aside to actually get my podcast done um i've sent out calendar invitations to my partner and a few people we're going to interview up through i think june and i know like my podcasting partner's really busy with his job he's like insanely busy deadline kind of job um but at least i've got them out there so you can start thinking about them rather than me going hey let's record this week oh i can't you know like now you can at least try to plan for it yeah absolutely but um i i thought um your post about tiny habits that had the graph about motivation mm-hmm I thought that was profound. Like, like people think you've got to be motivated. It's like, no. Like, it helps, but the point of the habit is you do it whether you're motivated or not. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was taken straight from Tiny Habits, Um, BJ Fogg's book. I mean, everybody, I think if you spent any time looking at, like, psychology – uh, you'll come across the, the, the idea that motivation is very high in the early days of any project and then rapidly tanks when, like, reality right. hits. Um, but what Fogg says is a very simple thing. It's like, well, you could rely on motivation, and that's what most people try and do, and it's completely a mistake. Uh, what you should do instead is just take the project and break it down into much smaller things, hence tiny habit, Um Small actually isn't good enough. Tiny is what you're aiming for. And and so that you said this kind of connects to that. But, you know, I found this with prep, like actually sitting down and, and taking two minutes to sketch out a quick idea for my game is doable. You know, like even a minute. I, I can do that. And, like, I can sit down at my desk. I get to school where I work in my classroom. You know, I sit on the computer. I can grab a notepad to bed and I spend one minute while the computer boots and it's going to take longer than one minute to boot, let's be honest. It's a public, you know, this is a public school, so computer technology is going to take you longer than a minute to boot. But I can write down a quick idea. You know, I can challenge myself to sort of just uh, imagine something, a character name or a, a place name, or, you know, an item. I can do that. And then maybe at lunchtime I'll sketch that out a little bit and give add a few details to it, you know. And then by the end of that day I've got something new for my game, you know, a new NPC it- or something, you know. And, and that principle... Um that just takes the motivation is not an issue because now it's like I can do that. (laughs) You know, and even on my lowest motivational days, which is often, um, you know, like, yeah, I can do that. And it makes me smile and you get that little sense of achievement. And the other thing that Fog says is you know, like you get the dopamine hit from achieving something. So it makes you want to do it again.
0: (laughs) Which is Yeah. I, I really need to do that because I've I've tried I would call it non-tiny prep during my lunch hour. And I, I, I've just failed. Um, I, it didn't become a habit because I, I think I was trying to accomplish too much and spend too much of my time during lunch working on gaming stuff. and, um, But spending two minutes is very doable and I've always got my backpack with a notebook and a pen, you know, that's really all you, you need. Yeah. Uh,
1: and the interesting thing is like, I had some experiences and I'm up and down with it. Um, you know, there have been times when I, the habit it's it's, if your circumstances change, then, you know, like the, the way you put your, where you had your habit kind of gets destroyed, destroyed, you know, and you have to kind of consciously like rebuild it somewhere else. And that's yeah. the, the problem I've had, but, i learned so much from it that i was actually just working with john four from you know role he uh wanted to just to write about it so uh, sometime in 2024 he's going to publish a little book on it but it's got loads of tips of things that we learned from that like period of this has been about three years now when i'm monkeying around with that and i've had loads of failures but also like from it you did the learning right so you okay, here's how to make it even smaller. Here's how to make it easier. Lots of silly tricks like, you know, like roll a dice to give yourself a random inspiration, you know, like have a random table for yeah. it, you know, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, going away from like what you're talking about, with the 5% for it there a little bit, but it's the same principle. It's the thing of like make it doable. So, I mean, if 5% is too much, you'll make it smaller. you know, Right. Like, um, it would be better to read, I don't know, a page
0: than nothing you know. Absolutely. I know I have colleagues who read what for me are just like unbelievable numbers of books every year. I mean, I have colleagues who'll read a, a hundred or more novels. I guess they read a lot faster than I do, but I asked one of them and, and she said, well, I just always have a book with me. And if I have an extra five minutes, I just pick it up and read if I'm standing in line for something, I take the book out of my purse and I read and, um, the, the results are there for, for, for doing that. Um, it's interesting what you said about changes in your, I guess kind of daily routine can blow up a habit to like, Mm -hmm. and this was not a tiny habit, but for years, I went and I had Monday and Wednesday nights, I After work, I went to my mom's house. I had dinner with with her. And I went directly to Aikido practice. And then I went home. That was Monday and Wednesday night every week. Mm. Um, And then Saturday morning, I had practice too. And then a couple of things happened. One is my, my mom died, so I wasn't going over there. Well it's much harder to get my ass out of my chair at home and go to practice. than it is to leave my mom's house and go to practice and then go home. Yeah. Um, and, and then the pandemic hit, which completely destroyed practice anyway. Um, but yeah, so those sometimes things happen that are beyond your control. And it's like, well, I won't be, I won't be doing that. And, uh, you know, other things happen, like the pandemic. My wife got sick, um, and you know you your your circumstances in life change to where your your priorities change. Now, having gone through all of these trials over the last few years, I I don't really want to go out after work I didn't do something like that like i want to be home with my wife yeah um that's it's a completely different time now back then i was doing that and she was working on a, on a phd she was really busy now she's not really busy and we can spend time together so mm-hmm. um priorities do change um but... and, and that kind of connects into the mental health
1: thing that you were alluding to earlier as well you know like the activities that we do, you know, we we need time for ourselves for the things we enjoy. Uh, I've banged on a lot about play being a super important thing, but you know, just anything that you can choose to do, that you feel you have agency over, um, and and you enjoy, you know, that that lifts you, you know, so much, right,
0: out of what can be doldrum, um, um, you know, yeah. I think we might, we might've discussed this a little bit on the discord server, but, um, so the pandemic, my wife's cancer and all that, I developed horrible anxiety and I've never really had anxiety before. So I started going to a therapist every week to just kind of work through this. Mm -hmm. And pretty recently we were talking about this and how, um, Everybody needs that time to do their own thing. Um, if you're a spouse, if you're a partner, that's what refills your capacity to be a good spouse or partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you within reason, I think you shouldn't feel guilty about going and doing something for yourself because that's actually a gift to your partner that you're going to they're they're going to really benefit from and. Um I think most reasonable partners understand that because they need exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's been uh, easy to understand intellectually, hard to internalize though, really emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh it is true. Um
1: and it's interesting you talked about like learning to read near them you know like yeah. i i find this as well like my, my partner and i um you know, my wife's around we like being around the home together um but she loves something for example watching horror films or think that's her hobby she is really big into that you know to be able to sit in the room with her what and read while she's watching horror movies a big deal you know yeah and, and to sort of like like filter that out and focus on reading like you said that's a skill i'm still having to learn again um but it is a huge gift actually to be present um you know and 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 i think sometimes we underestimate that you know i I cheesily talk to my wife about like christmas presents being more important than christmas presents um which is something i stole from one of those like you know positive psychology guys but um it's true right that to sort to be there is super important, but it also to be able to be, you know, active
0: in, in a different activity is important. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when everybody is very busy, it's easy to, <clears throat> you've, you've got the luxury of overlooking that, I think, when everybody's working on specific projects themselves. And then, mm-hmm. but when those projects end, like a dissertation, then things change, um, but yeah, I think the mental health aspect of it is is huge, and um, I don't know what else to say. I don't have anything intelligent to say about it, <laughs> except <laughs> that the, except that the reading thing is has um, yeah, it's been good for me on a daily basis. I have that sense of accomplishment. I got my got some reading done today. I enjoyed what I read, and then at the end of the year, like oh look what I've done. This is really great. You know, I di- didn't run traveler as much as I would have liked to. Didn't produce my podcast as much as I would have liked to, but I did do this other thing. Um, So that's really been cool. I don't think
1: there's any point in laboring this, but you yeah, we're kind of throwing us down, aren't we? And saying like guys and ladies out there, if you're listening and you're, you're thinking like, uh yeah, I don't read as much. <laughs> um, Maybe like 5%, or maybe it's uh, half an hour of reading time, or whatever, it's a page count, whatever the thing is. Um, but I guess that what we would suggest is like make it relatively small, make it daily, um, and then kind of just celebrate the fact that you're doing
0: it. And uh, learn not to beat yourself up if you fail one day. Um, or, uh, two days, whatever. Um, I mean, just, just get back to it. Um, give yourself a break. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I kind of wanted to say about reading, I've been thinking a lot about this and I'm sorry, this has very little to do with role, (laughs) but it's, it can, it can be very kind of meditative, you know? Um, and the reason I separate actually reading to listening to an audio book is, I feel like when you're listening to an audio book, you you may enjoy the book. That's that's not in question. You can enjoy the book just as much, but it's less active. You know, um, it's you're it's more like you're consuming entertainment mm-hmm. um, than. I think there's just a really beneficial effect from calming your mind, quieting your mind, focusing on something, and it takes practice. And um, and I think that's something we don't get enough of in our society now is just calming your mind and and actually focusing on something um, enough to read it and, and, and enjoy it. So um, I think that's a huge mental health benefit to it as well. I think, I think reading is just, I have no scientific research to back this up. I'm thinking about fi- trying to find some, but I think it's really good for your mind. I think it's good for your, your mental health.
1: Mm. And also, I want to echo back that thing about the difference between fiction and nonfiction because I read an awful lot of nonfiction. Um, But when I'm reading that, it's it's the analytical parts of my mind that are being used. Um, And when I'm reading a novel, it's actually the imaginative uh, parts of my mind that are being engaged. And like you said, there's a different focus there, um, a different way of interacting with the text where you're allowing it to inspire and you're having to generate those images you know, in your mind and all of those things. And, and like you said, that that creates a different kind of focus. Um, and it is a different skill. I think reading nonfiction is easier. Let's put it that
0: way. Um, it's, easy, it's easier for me. Um, mm. if, I, if I'm if i interested in a, in a subject and I, I get a book on it, man, I can just slurp that down. Yeah. You know, it, it goes right in and I remember it because I'm interested in it. Um, but when you start reading a novel, then you've got to remember characters, characters' names and what the character is like and what their motivations are and what what's happening when they change to a different character. And then they come back to that one. Oh yeah, that character was doing this or that. It's it's much more, it can be much more complicated. Yeah. Also, I just think like I found like reading a particular
1: author's style, like I found like both with um, David Drake's Slammer's stuff and also with um, Heron's kind of, Uh, slow horses that they're very different writers um and it takes a a chapter or two actually really easily or a story in case of drake to to actually get their style and it's like i i've got this jarring you know and and, and there's a tendency for me to be resistant to that and to go oh you know i can't be bothered with it you know oh hard work but once you get the writer's style and it sort of clicks and this is what happens with my brain anyway there's sort of a point where it kind of goes ah I get okay, I get this now. I get where what they're doing, you know, what that what they're writing and how they're writing. Now I can start to absorb it and 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 enter into it. And it's a bit like that other world immersion stuff I talk about with role-playing yeah. that actually I can I can enter the world that they're they're describing in a different way.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um a, an example I think might be if you read someone like Asimov. Haszebal mm-hmm. just kind of tells you what's going on. Whereas if you read William Gibson, William Gibson does not tell you what's going on. <laughs> yeah. um, you know you you really you really have to get into it and use your mind's eye to imagine what he's describing. You, you really have to give William Gibson your full attention to enjoy the novels and, there are some novelists like like him that I think that's where the audiobook really is great. Um, because I feel like there are some writers that are just meant to be read aloud. Um, and I learned this very late in life. I was on a trip to a conference. I was going to Monterey, California. And I picked up Jack Kerouac's On the Road. So I read it and I, I really, I enjoyed it. And then a few years later, I found a video of him doing a reading on YouTube. And I think it was from the old Steve Allen show. And Steve's playing like some really like beatnik style piano <laughs> and Kerouac's sitting on the other side of the piano, you know, with a drink and he's reading from, and when you can hear the rhythm of his voice. I was like, wow, this was meant to be read aloud. It was, you know, you, you, you really have to do that almost. Um, so yeah, um, I, I get it, you know, sometimes it's, it's very hard to, to get into a particular novelist. And I picked up a novel, um, a few weeks ago and I started it and it was, It was, it's a, I can't can't remember the title. Um, Comes highly recommended though. And I immediately realized I was not gonna be able to read this novel sitting in the front room with everybody in there. Like I'm gonna have to, this is one, if I wanna read it, I'm gonna have to really focus. I'm gonna have to take it on a trip with me or something like that. Um, You know, Gibson's like that to me. um, There's not a lot. I, I think when you get into those, Older science fiction authors, they're, they don't write with that same style usually. Mm. I know Alan Dean Foster doesn't. Of course, i talk about him a lot lately, I know, but the thing is, I mean, he's, he's sick now, but up, up into the early 2000s, he's still actively writing. So it's not like, you know, he's dead and not writing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but um, one thing I really appreciate about his writing is that it, it's it's very clear, and there is kind of, there's kind of a formula that he uses, but I I can't put my finger on it. But he typically he drops you into a world, he introduces some characters or aliens or whoever with weird names, mm-hmm. and within a chapter. You know who everyone is, you remember all of the characters, the names don't seem weird anymore. So he kind of accomplishes what the same thing that William Gibson does, but with a lot less effort. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean the prose isn't as beautiful either.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's good, it's solid. Well, Bob,
1: thanks. I'm just conscious of time, so I guess we can kind yeah. of wrap things up. But, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to get you to come on and share this challenge. Because so I think it was, A, fascinating. B, like, actually having started to do it, like, really beneficial. And and I think, last of all, like, just to encourage people to, to not just – I mean, it's easy to see our hobby, our role-playing hobby, as kind of an isolated, weird, fringy thing, which kind of it is. But at the same time, it's part of this – whole sort of especially science fiction and fantasy kind of background you know like the development i mean if you read about the history of role-playing games you understand it's where wargaming intersects with science fiction community is where you get the explosion of like early role-playing so yeah going back and revisiting that, that
0: science fiction especially is uh you know well seems worthwhile to me yeah i agree and uh i uh, thanks for thanks for wanting to talk about it i professionally and just as a hobbyist um it's it's become really important to me. That's great. All right, Bob. Well, I will leave it there. Um, thanks ever so much for your time.
1: And um, we'll, we'll hopefully speak again sooner. Okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Thanks, Che.
1: Big thank you once again to Bob Loftin for coming and sharing his ideas. I'll stick a link to safecocast.com in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you, so call in via speakpipe.com slash Rescue and leave a message. Thanks again to all the Roleplay Rescue patrons who, like Bob, support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you also to John from Tower of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music most of all, thank you to you for showing up and listening. I hope you found it, well, an interesting idea. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again on the flip side. Game on.